there's a there's a part of cats <laughs> uh where Jennifer Hudson has just uh sang her little heart out and is being lifted up into the heaviside layer uh, on a big hot air balloon and all the other cats are looking up in complete and utter awe and they start singing and then in the midst of all this judy dench as the cat named old deuteronomy uh (laughs) stares down the barrel of the camera (laughs) to recite a sonnet about how cats are not dogs Now, <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, I don't want to make it seem like I did not have a good time because I had a great time. Yes. But also, it's just like all of the decisions being made that led up to a wide theatrical release of a. Uh, motion capture with digital fur technology mm-hmm. uh, uh, studio adaptation of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats had to be pitched to someone <laughs> in sort of a final way had yeah. to be signed off by Andrew Lloyd Webber himself yes. the people who are financing it correct the, the number of companies with uh, their own set of shareholders who were financing it indeed um uh all of the principal cast and just generally like a a social con contract between the people behind it and us uh the people who have been subjected to the general concept of its existence (laughs) since last year and everybody in, in that sort of line of succession, in that sort of like, um, well, not line of succession. What's the what's the term I'm looking for? That sort of uh, that sort of list of folks. Yes. Uh, said yes. <laughs> at some point, there were so many yeses when there could have been noes. Yes. And thank God that those <laughs> noes just never came. <laughs> because Jesus Christ it was insane it was insane and and poor, these poor people who sat right who were sat, sitting right by me and Micah mm-hmm. uh, this older couple who were very much there to see cats in earnest mm-hmm. uh, unlike literally every other person in the theater yes which again was also pretty like packed for a screening of cats on new year's eve yes like that was pretty (laughs) wild um but yeah and there were these people that were around our age or so that were sitting on the opposite side of us who were being very loud when they came in and snickering and joking and being like what the fuck and stuff but i was like really trying to like make sure the people the older people who again came to see tom hooper's cats in earnest yes. on new year's yes. eve mm-hmm. uh were not 
you know, having a bad time and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it got to the point where, like, the entire audience became too much for them. And they (laughs) they got up and left. And I felt bad for, like, a split second. But then, like... They were gone, so we all could just react to this in the way that it was supposed to be reacted to, uh, which is um, a a combination of joy, deep, deep confusion, <laughs> and at some points, abject terror. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's such a weird thing. Also, Taylor Swift. Not in it nearly as like okay. Say what you want about 2019's version of The Lion King, right? They cast Beyonce as Nala, right? Right. And they deliberately expanded Nala's role in the story because of this, right? Taylor Swift's character in the show, to my understanding, is not a terribly important character in the grand scheme of things she just sort of like shows up to be like hey there's mccavity he's a bad catity or whatever and (laughs) and then she and then and then the the very thin plot moves along and right. no one is the wiser. Bomble Arena, I think, is the character's name. Yes. And uh, in this, I assumed that Bomble Arena would have a expanded role by nature of being played by um, arguably one of the top two pop stars in the entire world at this point. Right. And um, Jordan Syatt will not stop texting me. <laughs> I need to, He's... I need to, hop, I need to hop out of that. Cause I was just like, I, I got it. Cause I was like, you know what? I enjoyed jo- Jordan Syed's content content. Yeah. But like, I, 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 I like it more when I'm coming across it on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and not when it's in my phone every day. Yes. Um, correct. So and it, all these things are related to the topic of discussion today. So keep yeah. going. Yes. 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 <laughs> Um, okay, so Taylor Swift is, uh, th- by nature of being cast in this movie, does not result in an expansion of that role. I thought it, she even wrote a song, but that's one of the interesting things about the movie is that she doesn't even sing the song that she wrote. That's actually truly fascinating. It really is. It's it's sung by Francesca Hayward, who is a uh, a. a prima ballerina or a featured dancer i think that those are two different things but i could not tell you why they are um but uh but uh very beautiful girl um, i believe wonderful singer wonderful dancer too featured dancer i believe is more uh, a term related to broadway um like you have you have a lead dance you generally have a lead dancer for um different things like i know for like my high school's production of 42nd Street, which was off the charts, incredible, amazing. Like, you would be shocked to, to, to know that, like, high school students mounted this production. Mm-hmm. Um, my one friend uh, was the lead. He played the role of the lead choreographer, and he was also the lead dancer as well. Um, mm-hmm. so, he, that was, that, so there's generally a role that, like, doubles as a lead dancer role. 
to show off uh, the lead dancer and their abilities. Gotcha. Um, so well, I she's imagine, one of those people. Yes. Okay. Um, and I imagine she's a prima ballerina at like a dance company or something like because that. Because she's like, fucking amazing. And she the, is. I okay, would say that cool. the dancing, the, the all of the choreography is the the best part of the movie itself. It is breathtaking to behold when you can sort of like tear your mind away from the fact that all of this is even fucking happening. <laughs> um, right. And uh, late twins are there. Um, it was cool to see them. Hmm. Uh, they're these French dancers. They do a lot of what I, a non dancer person can only say it's, it's sort of this, this mix between like, crumping and like capoeira but also they're <laughs> popping and locking what? all of the time but they used to dance for beyonce they're the twins who were dancing with her in homecoming oh I they see. used to go on okay. tour with her a lot and too and they then then they went off and did their own thing and then they came back for homecoming and then Very cool. their follow-up performance to homecoming was in tom hooper's cats um but <laughs> hey you what know, a year was this fun. was also a lot of <laughs> A lot of the cats had fucking um, shoes. Some of them had like overalls and, and, and fur coats. Like Jennifer Hudson, who plays Grizabella, the glamour cat, who is a cat that I guess went to work with McCavity, but then like I guess that didn't work out. But every time she comes around, people like start singing her name and hissing at her. Um, yeah. And. She's wearing a big fur coat that's the same, like, kind of fur as the fur on her face. Yeah. Um, and Judy Dench is wearing a very large fur coat. Judy Dench's fur coat is now is never, like, open. Right. And it never comes off. Idris Elba is also wearing a fur coat. His comes off, and it is unsettling. Um, <laughs> it, 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 honestly, it honestly really is. And we're sort of slack-jawed and just awe of the general existence of this thing. And it's so weird. I can't imagine it won't become a cult classic of sorts. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, it is destined to, in 20 years, beyond whatever version of the internet people are looking at uh, in on the nail of their index finger in, you know, 2040. Yeah. Um, uh, gonna be like putting a hologram headline in front of their face that says, maybe we were all wrong about Tom Hooper's cats. We're not, not, not even that. (laughs) Not even that. We're going to get, we're going to get a thing in the next 10 years, five, 10 years, I should say, not only being like relitigating Tom Hooper's cats, but also just being like, uh, they're gonna do the oral history of like how all they how Tom Hooper like came up with the idea for this project or like wanted to do this project. How everybody was just like, yeah, sure, we'll let this thing happen, uh, and how all the cast was like, sure, I'll play a cat in Cats, maybe with the range, the limited range of knowledge that they each had in regards to. Um, their experience with the musical and uh, <laughs> how it was all made and like there because there was also like there were realistic sets that were built 
for this thing and then there was also but but at the same time there was like instead of doing instead of just dressing up as cats they did cgi digital fur technology and that's gonna be explained because <laughs> it looks just like regular fur on people um yeah to me like cgi'd onto people that so there's nothing unless it's like I don't I I don't I don't know how groundbreaking the technology is. It, the way that they were hyping it up, it seemed like it was a groundbreaking thing. Uh I don't know. But yeah. simultaneously there was like this whole legend of being like the visual effects still are not done on this movie that is currently out in theaters and they are sending patches of scenes yeah. from the movie out to the theaters. And then Tom Hooper saying that he, before the press screening, this is the first time that he's seen the finished version of the. We're gonna get a whole. We're gonna get a whole oral history of that in an article, uh, someday soon in the, in yeah. the near future. Uh, this is all a lead in to the experience that was 2019. The top 10 things that we experienced in culture in 2019 that we particularly enjoyed or stood in awe. Uh, over um, and that is what we're talking about today so we decided to why not uh, lead in with CJ's experience of cats last night <laughs> I think something that's really interesting about just the phenomenon of cats itself is that it was just this thing that we were all we all seem to be dreading Right. Or that everyone besides me seemed to be dreading. I was really excited, basically, since I heard that this was happening. I think the excitement that people had was masked by dread. Because mm -hmm. I think everybody secretly wanted to go see it. But, but basically out of sheer interest in it, of just being like, what is this thing that we have unleashed upon the world? <laughs> I must go and witness it. <laughs> everybody i this is 2020 <laughs> and we're not barbara walters and we're not barbara walters yeah it's 2020 and all we got is an impeached president um oh boy <laughs> yeah it's it's so funny how like that just doesn't matter <laughs> like like the news cycle just like moved on past it <laughs> Yeah, I saw a good I saw a good thing um, from Hassan Minhaj um, on his uh, YouTube for Patriot Act, um, and he was like, "There's a lot happening, and we receive a lot of information at once nowadays, so we're made to believe that we have to care about specific things." Um, what we I have recommend to care about everything. Yeah, that, yeah, uh, everything. Um, but what I recommend that you do is you just pick a few things and focus on those in in the year to come. Um, because every that you can't focus on everything at once because you'll undergo like a degree of fatigue that is unbearable. 
Um, yeah, I, I saw that. He said compassion fatigue, and yes. I never heard that term before, and that's really interesting. I I like that term, um, especially since it's it's almost correlated to burnout because it's like doing things that you care so much about, but at the same time you are doing it to satisfy a specific uh, conversation that feels like you're just contributing to an endless void and like does anything matter in that context and whatnot. But I think oh, totally. I, I think people's things, the things that they do and the things that uh, we consume and, and talk about and do those kinds of things, they do matter. Um, and mm -hmm. we can be useful to the world in our own specific ways and we have our own specific sort of niche that we can fit into um, and contribute yeah. to. Um, and I think, I think that was actually, that was actually a big part of going, jumping right into the, the topic of discussion is, um, I think that was a big part of my 2019 of realizing like, uh, I, I have a, I have specific value for the work that I do and the, the niche that I can fill. And, mm -hmm. um, it was in, it was in discovering that I could very much find a way figure out a way to go viral on the internet and go viral on the internet by doing good things and mm -hmm. i was like okay the cool mentality is that anybody can go viral by contributing something into the world and by not necessarily not necessarily feeling like you need to have some sort of uh, incredibly potent or um, original idea um that that travels fast but but building on something that somebody else has created and and presenting it in a new and exciting way um and yeah. that was, those were the two instances that i that i managed to go viral in that sense like i got the attention of james corden our fellow our fellow cat bustopher jones um <laughs> uh who apparently he said that he he has not seen the movie yet and uh, he's not interested. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine why he would want to. He's not good in it. But he's, he's, he's not good in a in a movie that a lot of things are just not good in. <laughs> but um, what really struck me that that time was just like figuring out how to contribute in a specific way so that not only not only the right not only that you're 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 satisfying yourself but the right kinds of people are seeing what you're doing and and respect and appreciate what you're doing and a person like James Corden who very much is into the things that I'm into maybe in a different way but on a on a grander scale in regards to theatricality musicals music all that kind of stuff he's he's very much more so than Jimmy Fallon I would say uh, a very music oriented late night host mm -hmm. and um through a lot of his his crosswalk musicals, carpool karaoke's, like very like dollar store type musical type things that he likes to do, and mm -hmm. um, so I appreciated when he reached out and was like, "Hey, you're doing a good thing. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, and if you need any help, uh, I, I'd be glad to help you out in any sort of way." Because I I, I appreciate and I appreciated that kind of thing. It's just there's a way to there's a way to do there's a way to go viral and be intentional about the ways in which you contribute to society at the same time um, with yeah. that sense without feeling the need to like, I don't know, be, be very pressing about it because a lot of people feel like they need to be very pressing and, and aggressive about the ways in which they can, they contribute to society. 
Yeah, I, and I think that goes to how much how much pressure people put on themselves to, for lack of a better term, be somebody. I haven't figured out really how to express a lot of those feelings, and yeah. it's and that's a part of my flat line today. But right. um, uh, uh, the the feeling of how uncomfortable I now get when everybody is rushing to be like 2020 is gonna be my year i'm gonna be too blessed to be stressed nah, 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 nah. <laughs> i it's it's a it's a lot and yeah um it is it is a lot it, it's a lot and it stresses me out so i can't imagine how much it stresses them out and every and i know that there's like good kinds of stress there's like the stress of being challenged and stuff like that but i i feel like it's the same thing with that information overload. It's like if you are being stressed and challenged literally all the time. Yeah. Like what I, I start to lose the plot on what the point of that is. But exactly. we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about great things from 2019. Yes. So um, 2019, the decade we just left. <laughs> uh, because like everyone's just like oh my god what a decade it's been mer, mer, mer. there were all these like event countdowns and stuff going on on tv last night and and i keep coming across stuff that just happened in 2019 that i'm like excuse me <laughs> like like the fire fe- the dueling fire festival documentaries yes 2019 that was money real. by cardi b 2019, 2019. Captain Marvel 2019. Yeah. Like, just these things. That, and I felt like this in 2018, too, because I remember I was, uh, somebody told me that, like, Black Panther, it came out in February of 2018. Yeah. And I was like, are you serious? Well, there was are, the are you, com- the <laughs> conversation around Black Panther when it got nominated for Best Picture was 2019. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, that, yeah, it was. Yeah. that, that is, So it was a really long year and everyone was just like, I can't wait to get out of it. It's this and that, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I found a lot of stuff to love uh, within the culture. Yes. In 2019. And you did too. As and did I, we're yes. going to be counting down our top 10 favorite things and folks yes. from 2019, starting with some honorable mentions. And I know you have three honorable mentions, correct? Uh, yeah, I had, well, I mean, one of them was our cold open, Tom Hooper's Cats, The Experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, but another one was, um, I amended my list, um, but my honorable mention goes to Songland. And um, I guess... It's interesting. I, I, as I sort of gravitated towards songwriting, I started to find songwriting-related material and gravitating towards it more. So um, a couple years ago, I discovered the podcast And the Writer Is, which, talk, which, is, which is songwriters talking to songwriters about stuff, um, which was really great. Um, and uh, a lot of other songwriting-oriented things uh, that came out of this notion in the last decade or so. I mean, even... I think the reason why we talk about 2019 as being the decade we just left is because 2019 was a lot of people reflecting on what happened this past decade, especially like over the last Mm -hmm. like three, four months where it was like, we're winding down. So let's talk about everything that happened in the last 10 years. One of the great things that happened in the last 10 years was uh, the acknowledgement of the songwriter in the process of making songs because there, there can Mm -hmm. be, either one songwriter involved or a ton of songwriters involved. 
Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I appreciated that. I appreciated that a lot, especially as I started to sort of in the latter in the latter half of this decade learn start to learn how to become a songwriter. Um, and so Songland was a television show is was a season of television uh, in the middle of the year um, that came out and sort of demystified the songwriting process for the masses, um, which I really appreciated because it brought um, it brought the process of pitching songs to artists to light, um, which mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of artists do in general, and also highlighted some songwriters that um, were making stuff and things that I don't think people necessarily knew um, were attributed to more songwriters. Like Shane McNally really came into the public consciousness in the last like year and a half or so because of his contributions to Casey Musgraves' uh, Grammy Award-winning mm -hmm. album. Um, Ryan Tedder, the resurgence of Ryan Tedder and One Republic, I should say, like them using Songland as the platform to sort of bring it back to this idea of he's been shepherding songwriters of all generations for the last like uh, decade or so of him also being involved with One Republic. And then, um, mm -hmm. oh shoot, Esther, Esther Dean and her sort of like lasting contribution. Esther Dean. Queen of the end credit song on computer animated children's films. <laughs> <laughs> and Pitch Perfect films. <laughs> and and she was a part of the Pitch Perfect films too. So she's had quite the decade. Yeah. And, and she's been writing for Rihanna and uh, doing all this stuff. Oh yeah. No doubt we will see contributions of hers on R9 whenever that ends up coming out. If it ever comes out. <laughs> um yeah, I just appreciated that I, that that it shouted out those three genuinely good people who are very good on camera and very like mm -hmm. they work well as a judging team and a mentor team, and helping shepherd all these new and upcoming songwriters into actual careers because apparently like all the people that were on that show now have more more of uh, an advantage or not advantage but like more opportunities presented to them as songwriters and producers yeah. to make things. Um, so Cause I, they were given that platform. Yeah. Yeah. So I really appreciated that. And I think that was the biggest of the honorable mentions that I had. Um, did you have any okay. honorable mentions on the list? I, I, uh, they weren't on my initial list that I put out, but, uh, the honorable mentions that I do have one being the film, the farewell by Lulu Wang starring mm. Aquafina. Yes. Uh, wonderful 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 movie about uh grief and loss and the truth and yeah. how the truth is not the same for everyone right and what's right is not the same for everyone across mm -hmm. cultures and stuff like that mm -hmm. i know that uh niggas on the internet have a lot of problems with aquafina and i don't think that their problems are invalid but she did a great job in this film. I That's can't cool. wait to see more from her. Yeah. Um, and it's cool to see internet people level up like that. It really is. It is. And yeah. um, and I and I definitely also want to see more from Lulu Wang. If it is shut out of the Oscars and stuff like that, like it seems like it might be. Yeah. Um, that was that's going to be a real shame because uh, I feel like there was a lot of Twitter build up to that movie coming out and stuff like that. And but when it came out, like one barely anybody I knew had even heard of it, let alone 
were willing to go see it with me and like I just kept sort of pestering people and we only had it for like two weeks maybe but I kept pestering people to go see it because it is uh that poignant and that emotionally affecting and the actress she's a very famous actress in China who plays uh Aquafina's character's grandmother uh I think the most award stuff and buzz that we're going to see from the farewell, uh, even though I think it deserves a lot of accolades across the board are going to yeah. come towards the actress who played the grandmother. Cause yeah. she was wonderful. Yeah. Um, if you, if you, if for people who didn't know the farewell is a 2019 film about a young Chinese American woman who uh, goes back to China with her family uh, to basically be with her grandmother one last time because her grandmother has a terminal illness mm-hmm. but the family will in china it's customary for the family to talk to the doctor and find that out and then not to tell the elderly person as to let them sort of live their life without you know live live out the remainder of their life without a lot of stress right um and uh the character that aquafina plays has a lot of conflict about that because you know she is she grew up in america she's very americanized and she thinks that like her grandmother should know about her illness and should have the opportunity to say goodbye but nobody really wants to say goodbye and she has to struggle with whether or not if if she wants her grandmother to know for her sake or right. if she wants her grandmother to know and react um, for, you know, the catharsis of the family and the fam and the movie doesn't really take a side in that's that. Cool. And and I I can't I, I actually really, really want to watch again. So that's my first honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second honorable mention is the Try Guys. Ooh, um, yeah. I love them and i understand that it's pablum and it's a lot of nonsense um but you can very much tell that there's a really good rapport between the four of them they have amazing chemistry off of each other i actually went to go see them live on a whim in the summer Mm -hmm. and uh it was just an energy-packed show just basically watching a mashup of all the YouTube videos live and um, between them breaking off from BuzzFeed to become their own thing to Eugene's uh, whole process of coming out Mm -hmm. and how they really just try to keep upping the ante um, to I I keep calling them the Ellen of the internet right that's how they feel to me they feel like the Ellen of the internet I don't know how much how how well that comparison is going to fare going forward, seeing as the culture has seemed to turn on Ellen uh, as of late. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there, but I'm actually super excited to see like um, where their careers are going to go from here and how long they can sustain this because in terms of like vlogs, challenges, pranks, those kind of things um at least in the circles of youtube creatives that i follow um those seem to be sort of like going out of the door a little bit more for more scripted content more researched content more uh videos that uh are a bit um a bit not heavier but substantive than that yeah but 
I still like what the Try Guys do. I think yeah. that they are among the most affable people doing it on the platform. Right. And I'm super excited to see where they go from there. Cool. Um, and my third and final uh, honorable mention definitely, definitely goes to a very stupid and specific thing from the Hustlers press tour. Mm-hmm. Where in a bunch of the interviews, Cardi B would only refer to the collective of Jennifer Lopez, Kiki Palmer, Lily Reinhardt, and Constance Wu as actresses. (laughs) And she always addressed them uh, collectively, (laughs) but only as actresses. And it's amazing it's amazing it was it was it was the peak of my year no i'm kidding um that's (laughs) that's excellence uh but yeah those are my honorable mentions uh cool i uh i found i found a lot to have joy in this year and uh more than was just on that list that i put out but i think we can get into the list proper with your number 10 okay you want to go you want to do you want to go point by point or do you want to just do like five like ten to six and then five to one okay either just, either way just so we then and then we can like pick the ones that um maybe are like the most interesting so we're not like because i think <laughs> so I we're think not just rambling on so i'm not rambling on about money good by me <laughs> um but yeah uh by all means uh your first five uh okay 10 through 10 through six okay 10 uh Wow, ten and nine are have infinity in the titles. Um, ten is um, CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths Part One through Three. I'm really excited to see how they end it because those first three episodes were great, and all the lead up to it in regards to the shows that were going on during before then, like the pre-crisis mm-hmm. stuff, was really good. Um, the Flash was the best it's been in years. Um, and uh yeah i really like now i i understand i understand why uh people are so invested in endgame for the reason of me being invested in all these shows and and the build-up to those to to this moment of like Mm -hmm. world shifting events um number nine the infinity podcast um our dear I guess internet friends. We can we call them internet friends now. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, our internet friends, uh, Scott, Rachel, and Patrick, uh, have podcasts where they talk about Marvel movies, but they don't talk about Marvel movies. And it was the first full year of them doing this <laughs> podcast, um, and uh, I had a great time listening to them every Monday. Um, it's great. Uh, number eight, we kind of covered already. Uh, my the two instances that I went viral, um, and just realizing that I have how much value I have for the work that I'm doing and hopefully we'll be releasing in 2020 in regards to music. That was really cool. Number seven, the O'Connell family. Um, this is Billie Eilish O'Connell and Phineas O'Connell and their parents. Um, they all seem to have real good head heads on their shoulders. Um, for them, for, for at least the youngest one to be so terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Billy is a superstar and yet she seems to be pretty like down down to earth. Um and Phineas is going to be I think one of the dark horses in the production and songwriting game in the next 10 years. Um a lot of his original I stuff I found is great, out that he was on Glee. He was, yeah. 
He, and he, he I was, was like, like, yeah. Okay. He was like on the last season of Glee or something like that, along with like another songwriter that's like popular. I forget who it was. Um, but he's got a lot of original stuff out um, that is really, really good. Um, and yeah, uh, I saw their car. I saw the carpool karaoke um, with uh, her, and it just reminded me of how like, like I've seen a lot of different materials of describing their family overall, and it just them going back to the house where where she made where she made the album that uh, catapulted her to the to superstardom was really nice, and. Um, and it was just reminded me of how nice their family is and how and how I, I wish the best for them. Number six is Broadway pop stars, specifically Leslie Odom Jr. and Anthony Ramos. Um, they put out two great albums at the end of this year um, that I think, I mean, like, we saw that we saw that emergence of the Broadway pop star with Ben Platt in over the course of this last decade via Pitch Perfect and Dear Evan Hansen and now his subsequent solo releases. Um, but I think it, <laughs> Leslie Odom Jr. and Anthony Ramos have really exciting directions to take R&B music and, and, pop, and popularizing it again. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. in a more like jazz singer type way and Anthony Ramos in the very more pop oriented type way. Um, and a good, it was a good pop R&B record, the Anthony Ramos record, a good pop R&B record that felt lively. Because so yeah. much of R&B, like so much of pop music, is so somber and so dark in terms yeah. of its production and mood yeah. uh, and, and, and vibe. Yeah. It's all, um, yeah, it, it, R&B, R&B and, I mean, you could see that that, that was... I was listening to the popcast today and they were talking about the weekend's influence on R and B. And I think a lot of the dark, uh, somber textures kind of come from him uh, and his original mixtapes that, that he released. Um, mm -hmm. they kind of, it kind of defined the sound of the decade. So it'll be, it'll be nice to see them sort of bring back, uh, a livelier R and B and livelier jazz stuff. Uh, too because i yeah. know that like i don't know if that i don't know if it was on your list but the louis york album kind of also was reminiscent of that as well mm -hmm. yeah louis york oh that was that was a really solid effort i didn't love everything on it but i do love them uh claude kelly and company mm -hmm. um uh great songwriting duo uh just and the musicianship on display on that album was just really yeah. sort of blew me away yeah so but, so those uh, are, yeah, uh, those are the first five that I had. How about yours? Okay, um, for me, uh, my number ten was uh, to me. I guess for other people, it's The Mandalorian, and The Mandalorian is is good for what it is. I feel like yeah. Um, but for me, uh, the flagship sort of program thing for the <laughs> the debut of Disney Plus was yes. uh, the aptly titled High School Musical colon the musical colon the series. Yes. And... Um, which we have come to call to me, colons. <laughs> yes. Which, to me, it, when I first heard about it, sounded so weird. And yeah. sounded even weirder when I saw the trailer for it. But right. it... And it premiered, and it has just been a delight almost every week. Yeah. It is full of these 
fresh young faces, a lot of whom just come from the Disney Channel. Really? Um, yeah, especially the two leads, Joshua Bassett and Olivia Rodrigo. They were on two two different Disney Channel series oh. uh, from the past few years. Oh, see, I, I, I haven't been paying attention, so it's not like... I, I, I don't either. I just, they're very talented. They um, and I was like, did they just come from nowhere? But and they're, but they're a part of the Disney machine. But right. uh, again, yeah, they are super talented, um, uh, especially... Uh, Again, the two leads, Joshua Bassett and Olivia Rodrigo, who Olivia Rodrigo, I can see her turning into uh, a pop superstar in the vein of her sort of predecessors who seem to run um, a, a good chunk of pop music at the moment your yeah. Demi Lovato's and uh, your Jonas and Brothers and Jonas Brothers and Miley's. But, um, and, and I think that. I don't know if I've seen a young performer maybe outside of Timothy Chalamet, mm-hmm. a young male performer who um, feel who is as compelling as Joshua Bassett is in the show. Yeah. I think that he's really, really good. And the rest of the supporting cast, including the actress who plays the teacher, yeah. uh, the drama teacher, uh, are uh, fantastic. And the kid who plays Big Red, just fantastic. Yeah. And uh, the original songs are fun and yeah. not not too flighty. And they interpolate the songs from the original High School Musical film in a lot of interesting and creative ways. And I really, really, really enjoy the show. It is uh, obviously one of my favorite things of the year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's I think it's the stronger of the Disney Plus shows. And I found out that um, one of my musical mentors um, tracked a lot of the demos of the original songs that they were that they do for the show. Nice, which is really cool. My number nine is the song "Money Good" by Megan Thee Stallion from her Fever EP. Yeah. Yep. Oh, EP. Uh, or wow. mi- or mi- mixtape um, project, whatever you call it. <laughs> Same thing. It was being sold. It's streaming on the services. So, Indeed. Um, yeah, very much uh, a strong uh, opening statement uh, from Megan as her star became to, started to really, really rise this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is from Texas. She's a smart girl. She has a look that is out of this world and really, really knows how to rap. I was talking to a friend of mine and I think rap is going through a lot of the same things that country is going through right now. A lot Uh, of the genres that are going through. (laughs) uh, Yeah, uh, where the movers and shakers uh, for the most part just aren't listening to female MCs, which is insane to me because that's where all of the interesting stuff is coming from. It is. Now, people may make some caveats to talk about how like some of the mumble boys are doing with, with their production and stuff like that. But a big part of me being able to engage with rap music is enunciation. Yep. (laughs) And all of the ladies are doing it. And all of uh, and almost none of the men are. <laughs> so it, <laughs> for me, that's a that's a that's a big thing. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think it gets 
better in terms of the actual quality of the music and the performance quality, like just the the amount of stage presence and affability of the artist, the right. Megan Thee Stallion and um, Money Good was my favorite track off of uh, off of Fever. So, yeah. uh, and I think a lot of people's too. It ended up on a lot of lists. Yeah. Um, uh, my number eight is Lil Nas X. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I wish I with all my might. Uh, that there was a Little Nas X when I was growing up. Uh, oh, I was gonna, not, I thought you were going to say Little Nas X cartoon, and I was like, I could see it. <laughs> I mean, I could see it. I really wish that there was somebody like him when I was growing up. He's young. Uh, he ha- has been parlaying all of the goodwill and the clout, basically, that he's gotten from a song that is generally a meme, but is also a, just a good song. Yeah. Yeah, like Old Town Road is, Road is great. I enjoyed a number of the things that I heard on Seven, his EP that he put out earlier this year. And uh, one really knows how to conduct himself uh, in a professional manner, um, mm-hmm. but also carries with him that Gen Z memeness um, that. I think is generally the future of the way that people just communicate with each other. Um, So, and he, he really has his finger on the pulse of that and is making decent music and is a fun follow on Twitter. I just, I'm very excited to see what the next decade holds for a little Nas X and a lot of his contemporaries. Yeah. Um, uh, number seven is Ryan Johnson's Who Done It Knives Out. Yeah, I had that in number oh, four. <laughs> I love this movie it's so great. much. It's, it's so, so good. good. It is so good. It's so it's so good. Amazing cast. I the mystery. I'm bad with mysteries because not uh, because I tend to um, figure them out as I as the movie goes along and it doesn't ruin the experience but it does affect the experience to the point where I need to go see something I need to see it again so I can experience the film as a whole not desperately trying to figure out the mystery but uh, Ryan Johnson is back with uh, this whodunit murder mystery that has a lot of really fun allegorical flourishes um, a star studded cast a turn for Chris Evans which I think should just be his sort of performance brand for <laughs> the foreseeable future because he's very very good at it Yeah. Um, and uh, also a, a, a shining spotlight on Ana de Armas uh, who has been in and out of things like Blade Runner 2049 and stuff like that for the past few years and really got a moment to shine in this movie. And you get a lot of uh, fun from Jamie Lee Curtis and Daniel Craig, who, if this is his last Bond movie, No Time to Die, and he just wants to sit back and do this horrific accent and yeah. in 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 this uh in this trench coat of his and and solve yeah. a bunch of mysteries for Ryan Johnson. I'm down with it because I loved everything about it. I this. am too. As somebody who as somebody who was like essentially I didn't I didn't realize I was like planning uh, like training for this movie by watching old episodes of Columbo, but I essentially was um, <laughs> because um the premise is kind of there of just like I mean like 
it's like they set up a murder mystery and then Columbo comes in and sort of bumbles his way through and figures it out. Um, which is exactly what Benoit Blanc does. I don't know. I just like I was I was keenly aware of like what a, what what the whole thing was and it just it's so charming in every single facet. It it's one of those rare movies that didn't need to <laughs> it didn't need to set up anything. Um like Obviously, there's probably going to be an anthology series of Benoit Blanc movies because of the success of Knives Out. But everything was wrapped up so nicely in a little bow. Um, nothing, nothing that was set up was uh, nothing that was set up was not just left out in the open. Everything was executed and all like just finished. Um, everybody had a specific arc. Everything was. It was just. It was. It was flawless filmmaking. Um, and I'm very good stuff, man. I'm very happy that um, Ryan Johnson has sort of fallen back in the public favor with uh, a movie like this after um, after what I think is my favorite Star Wars, but it's not a lot of ever, not a lot of people's favorite Star Wars and the controversy around that, even though it made a billion dollars. Um, yeah. We don't have to talk about Star Wars. Everyone's talking about Star Wars. It's my um, flatline, though. <laughs> um, my uh, and my number six is "Lights Up" by Harry Styles. Yes. I did not take to this second album of his "Fine Line" that came out uh, in December yeah. the way that a lot of people seem to. Yeah. But "Lights Up" is a is just a sharp. Uh, just bomb of a song that comes in yeah does what it's supposed to do and gets out before it overstays its welcome it, it is sleek it yeah. is it is the first like i'm not to say that harry styles is an unattractive man but like for me i was just like none of the one direction young men have really done anything for me in that vein but this is an incredibly sexy song yes, in a year is, yeah. where pop music isn't terribly sexy no. um, <laughs> so it was it was an incredibly sexy song which was really compelling um a great music video yeah uh a an an amazing hook that is so, so good that it only appears once in the song and i don't care yeah. like it is it just a really, really, really compelling pop hit. And uh, even though I wasn't the keenest on the entire album that surrounds it, uh, I still really, really love that song. So there are a that's lot my of, number six. Yeah, there are a lot of like um, really good choices and selections on, on that album that are really effective. Others that are not. Um, and I think with just a matter of like trimming the fat a little bit and really honing in, I think on what I, he, Harry Styles is really good at this like hybrid breed of like David Bowie slash Marvin Gaye kind of R&B rock. Mm -hmm. And I think he, he stands a chance of bringing back um, a lot of, a lot of the bombast of classic rock paired with the, the sort of rich layered textures of, of, R&B that stems from artists like Marvin Gaye and James Brown and all those kinds of people. And he has the charisma to sort of do it and sort of the 
he he almost he almost feels like purple water like he gives me the vibe of like purple pinkish water like a visual visually um so he's got the fluidity to kind of to kind of drift between those different kind of styles so i'm excited to see where he goes and hopefully he gets to hone his craft a lot more and make it and make a more effective like maybe even shorter album too because that album is very long Um, yeah as, everybody's album is so long everybody's album is so long you just gotta do i mean honestly you just gotta do six to seven 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 to seven to ten tracks and just get in and get out and that's it um but yeah all right uh moving on to our five to ones number five is a shout out um to cj and his uh dedication to improving or to to um working on his podcast below freezing um if you guys don't know blow blow freezing is a podcast where they take <laughs> a movie that is uh at or below 32 percent on rotten tomatoes hence the title below freezing uh below freezing temperature and review it and <laughs> and, and and relitigate it and see whether or not it still holds up um and at the end of the podcast they decide if it's still fresh or freezer burnt and you, they have awards where that they give out to specific people and things in the movies that they that they cover um, that they just want to shout out or just uh, rail on a little bit more if they didn't do it in the recap. Um, it's a really fun podcast, and the fact that you have been able to sort of maintain uh, thank you podcast for over the course of the year it has, is is really a testament to your dedication and insistence on trying to set up new and it's sort of and sort of what we've been talking about in terms of setting up new um and um not only creative but physical and mental sort of habits that are that are positive in our lives and yeah. uh, and and I think I think blow freezing is one of those things um for Well, for, I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Um, number four, we covered Knives Out. So good. So good. Uh, number three, I got a shout out. An Ithaca College alum, uh, Jarrell Jerome, has had a year this past Quite year. the year. Um, he has won the Emmy for Best Actor in a Limited Series for his turn as Corey Wise in When They See Us. Um, mm-hmm. I just remember, I remember, like, I, I was we were we were friends with one of his friends in school um and he his friend and he would come to our house every now and then when we had a party and he just seemed very chill and laid back um and word around the street was like oh this guy's this guy's gonna be in a barry jenkins movie and there was like whispers of that on the wind um when when um sort of the moonlight buzz was starting up um mm-hmm. and i i just i, I appreciate um his devotion and dedication to his craft and the fact that it has given him it has given him um loads of opportunities is he also did he did um he was one of the people on the live uh restaging of good times which i did not know about was he yeah he was one of the characters oh wow i have to go i have to go and check it out because he must have been michael that would have been fun that yeah that sounds awesome for him that uh, that's that's also a weird thing that happened in the past year yeah (laughs) jimmy kimmel apparently resurrected but like i i mean i must have been his appearance on the jimmy kimmel show that kind of like endeared 
uh, Jarrell to Jimmy Kimmel, and mm-hmm. uh, like gave when when he was casting the when he was casting the show, he probably had one of those people in mind. But that was like the the episode of Good Times that they did. They had like a really stacked cast apparently of like very yeah. quality very quality black actors, which was which was great. Um, yeah. Uh, so go Jarrell. Wish nothing but the best for you. Hopefully, uh, you do. You had like a cup, a couple like EPs out as well. So hopefully, you get to uh, dip back into like rap again, because I, mm-hmm. I think you have a good, you have a good presence and like performance wise. So it'd be cool. And I hope Harry Styles starts acting again too. Uh, yes, oh I, I quite liked him in Dunkirk. Yeah, uh, so he was good in Dunkirk and all the stuff that he, all the skits that he kind of did it when he was subbing in for late night host uh, for James Corden. Yeah. Oh really yeah, cool. he's he's a amazing at that like he he's a, a very very like just attractive uh in terms of just like you kind of can't help but watch him when he is when he has a spotlight somewhere so yeah yeah so yeah, i'm just definitely. yeah it should it'll be really cool harry styles and Gerald jerome do a thing together <laughs> <laughs> um number two uh stranger things three I think I was one of the which was really interesting to me when I read that on your list. Really, I rem- well just because I know a lot of people who just did not like the third season at all. Oh, I definitely have my qualms with it, but it doesn't mean that I still had a great time experiencing it um, when I was in the moment watching the watching the series. Um, mm-hmm. I loved I loved the uh, sort of the bombast of it all in regards to yeah. The elevation. It did seem bigger. Yeah. Everything about it seemed really big and bright, very much of that time, of that yeah. period of the 80s. And um, it was quite goopy. Yes, it was. It was very goopy. Um, that was the first, I think that was like one of, I, I will only, I will draw the line at Stranger Things when it comes to my experience with body horror because I don't like body horror. I don't like horror in general, but I will watch <laughs> body horror for Stranger Things. Um, cause there it, was quite a bit. There was quite a bit. Um, but I, I really loved, it was one of those things where after two seasons, I, it was one of those things where it's, um, it's like, I want to see, for example, you just have like a, a, a handful of actors that interact with each other that you're just like, I just want to see these people interact and act off each other for yeah. forever. You have that. I mean, like I, I pitched an idea on Twitter a couple of days ago of like, I want to see John Boyega, Daisy Ridley and Oscar Isaac in a swashbuckling musical adventure because I want to see them act off each other while in song. Um, and I just love seeing the cast of Stranger Things do their thing and act off each other and because they're really good at their jobs and any sort of plot issues and characterization issues, especially with Hopper, um, they're not great, but I think the acting behind it kind of uh, makes up for and masks it a little bit. Um, okay. Not not so much as in like I can forgive the choices that they made for the character, but um, yeah, I just had a I had a good time watching it, and like very rarely do I just get to like sit back and watch like a giant movie like that and and enjoy it. Yeah, 
Um, also, super special shout out to Dacre Montgomery. Yes. What a role for yeah. him. What a performance for oh him. Oh my gosh. I, I can't wait to see him do more stuff. They gave that character so much depth that I didn't expect them to. And uh, they really let Dacre sort of like take the reins. And I'm just very excited to see whatever he does next. Um, and so we've reached number one on my list. And number one is... Uh, the concert that I went to at the Jones Beach Theater in August where um, John Bellion and Lawrence were on the card. Um, I, have, uh, I, have, I have preached um, about John Bellion and his work on this podcast many a time. Um, and this, I think, it, it, very rarely do you get to see the culmination of an artist's efforts over the last like decade sort of come fruition but it really was that for john um because he has this band that he signed to his label lawrence they came out and they did his stuff did did their thing he got to perform in front of ten thousand people at a hometown show when 10 years ago he was kind of just doing this thing in his basement just for fun, just for kicks, because it was the only thing he really loved doing. And to be able to yeah. see that and tr see that transform, not only his life, but the lives of the pe people around him, like his backup singers has been with him since college. His videographer has been with him since college and he brought him out and was like, hey, he's got a deal with Canon now, um, and a sponsorship deal with Canon. And so just to see, just to see the effect uh, and, uh, the effect that it has that it, that it can have uh, and the motivation that it gives me to be like I'm going to do this and I'm going to help I'm going to I'm going to try and figure out a way that to 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 do the things that he's doing because he seems to have the right mentality when it comes to making music, distributing music, his mentality on the internet, fandom, all that kind of stuff. Um mm -hmm. he just seems to have a good head on his shoulders and he, he motivates me to want to be a better artist. And I think, I think yeah. it's really cool. And it, it, his concert, his concert was in August was sort of a culmination of all that, of all those things coming together and just being a great thing for him to give back to his friends and family and the people that, um, from his city that have supported him. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, uh, my final five are as follows. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, one uh, or not one, excuse me, five. Um, BT at the BT Awards uh, this year did a wonderful, wonderful tribute to black women in house music. Yeah, that was just phenomenal. Yeah. CC Peniston was there, Robin S was there, Crystal Waters was there, and every and even in the audience, you could see a lot of the younger people were just like. I don't know what any of this is, <laughs> but like, that's a shame because especially in the nineties during house music's real big sort of popular boom. Yeah. Um, these were, uh, three women and three songs, especially finally, I think finally is probably the most re recognizable of them. Yeah. Um, just, uh, paved the way for 
black women and black people in general to start moving a bit more towards electronic music and dance music. And it was so cool to see BT of all places because BT very much trades almost exclusively in R&B rap and uh, rap and R&B adjacent pop music that they would um, like a lot this time for these uh, sort of legends of house music to get on stage and shine and people were grooving to it and they got to perform. CeCe Penniston especially looked amazing and was doing the absolute most and I loved every second of it. Um, It's on YouTube. It's all over Twitter. Uh, Go find that performance. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Number four is my favorite movie of the year. Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Nice. <laughs> I just like it. Greta Gerwig, especially for this to be her second film, yeah, uh, that she directed by herself, is probably the one of, if not the most compelling directorial voice that. I am excited to see more from going forward into the next decade. Definitely. Her eye for the best about characters, even if you don't like them. And I I say this about the the movie Lady Bird, which is also pretty good. Mm -hmm. But this version of Little Women is so, so compassionate to the character of Amy in a way that the book is not, in a way that no other adaptation is. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with, one, Florence Pugh's wonderful performance. Right. Um, Almost across the board, performances in this movie were just off the charts. But it had to do with Florence Pugh's really, really wonderful performance as Amy. But also the framing of the film, because the book, which was released as two books, Little Women and good women or good wives depending on what country you were in yeah um uh which little women tells the story of the uh, march sisters as children going into adulthood and then a second half of that story with them as adults Mm -hmm. um and usually the adaptations very much follow that chronological order right but she splits uh takes the split narrative and mixes it together in a way that gives uh let uh, that lets a lot of sort of the the narrative choices that were forced upon louisa may alcott back when she was writing the book when she was yeah makes sense yeah because a lot of it comes out of nowhere or feels off kilter especially if you're just reading the book in order if you've just been watching any of the other versions of the films right um and uh she focuses a lot, a ton. Like I think the '94 one did focus on Joe being a writer and stuff. I think that was the first adapt major adaptation of the book because Joe was always a writer. But that was the first adaptation of the book that really, really let uh, focused on that and, and and Joe's dreams of being a writer and stuff right. like that. Right, right, with right. this one, especially with Saoirse Ronan's performance, Saoirse Ronan is in top form in this. Sweet is uh she gets to live in that character and live in the actual process of writing that's cool in the movie and i love it and also not for nothing 
if I was 14 years old when this movie came out. <laughs> Anyone who knows me and Micah knows that we stand a hot rat king, which is Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> we call him that because every generation has their teen heartthrob who yes. kind of looks like a hot rat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, and not to say that I didn't find him attractive in the other things that he's been in, yeah. but like, in this in particular, I was like, wow, this movie's going to ruin lives. Um, <laughs> it's very, very, very good. Um, and, you know, Meryl Streep is also there giving a wonderful Streepish performance. Yep. Laura Dern Laura is Dern. also having yep. a crazy few years. Yeah. Um, going into next year, she's coming back for the next Jurassic Park sequel as well. So, Holy cow. That's cool. She's she's got a lot going on as well. And also the story itself of Little Women feels very contained mm-hmm. in terms of uh, just the scope of it and this sort of provincial town that they live in. Yeah. Um, but Greta Gerwig's camera makes everything when when the story itself needs to feel warm, mm-hmm. the camera makes it feel warm when the wonder of the an expanse of the world needs to be illustrated it's there uh she has a really really interesting knack for these extreme close-ups when a care in this is in ladybird too these extreme close-ups um that really really affect loneliness and 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 sorrow in a way and she pulled some really great performances out of all these actresses as well. So Little Women is amazing. Everyone go see Little Women. Still it's fantastic. Go see it, but I will go see it. <laughs> um, my number three is Solange's third studio album, When I Get Home. Yep. Now, the first time I heard it, it didn't click for me. Because I was so... Because uh, even though it had all of these... Um, fun and interesting themes and uh, interesting production flourishes. Her last album, uh, Seat at the Table, was very much a traditional album, traditional R&B album in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of traditional sh- song structure. Right. Whereas When I Get Home has songs, but a lot of it is made up of sort of song fragments and song concepts right. that are woven in and out of each other to uh, sort of illustrate this idea of uh, the the lostness that you can feel when you don't feel connected to your home. Right. And what can happen, how your image of yourself and your image of the people around you and the people who raised you and the culture that existed around you can change when you step away from it and then come back. It also has, there's a song on there, there's a track on there called Bins, which is my mood for all of 2020. <laughs> that is a great song. She had a wonderful uh, sort of truncated performance of the performance art piece Witness that is uh, her tour, yeah. quote unquote, for the album on Jimmy Fallon. That was mm-hmm. also wonderful. The way she moves um, uh, is very much affect is is, uh, is evocative of uh, Alvin Ailey and like dance in the seventies. Yeah, especially in the 
film, the short film, it's about 47, uh, 47 minutes or so, yeah. uh, that uh, is the visual album, quote unquote, for the uh, for the album itself. And yeah. even though it is so fun to see how it interweaves with the same sort of concepts uh, that Beyonce's most recent work uh, interacts with, mm-hmm. it's really cool that... Uh, she has carved out this whole entire lane for herself. The music itself does not sound like Beyonce's music at all, um, but it, it serves as a fun uh, and interesting and compelling compliment to it. Yeah. And then uh, number two is Jordan Syatt's 30 Day Big Mac Challenge. Uh, he did a YouTube documentary which I found uh, really fascinating that he is a personal trainer. He trained gary vanderchuk yeah vanderchuk yeah that that's how you pronounce it um and stuff like that he does all this stuff on youtube and he is very much about hammering into people's heads about calorie deficits and sort of the myths around weight loss and fitness that Mm -hmm. people tend to use as an excuse not to take care of themselves right and he did this challenge where he ate a big mac every single day uh, for 30 days and ended up losing seven pounds because yeah. of the way he was able to tailor his schedule and his uh, workouts and the r- remainder of his diet outside of that daily Big Mac right. to his particular goals. Right. And that was really, 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 really fascinating to watch. And I like Jordan's work because so much of it is incredibly, incredibly process oriented. And I try to tell a friend about this. He was just like, all fitness stuff is process oriented. No, it is not. No, it isn't. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, But Jordan's stuff very much is, and he makes it, and not to say that, you know, you don't recognize that it still takes a lot of hard work and discipline and stuff to get to where you need to go, depending on where you want to go. Yeah. There's so much pressure that Jordan and the way that he explains things and the examples that he gives and the and the way he's willing to break that all of this stuff down for people uh, that I think really is a big part of the reason that I've been able to stick for the most part with uh, with the sort of fitness journey. I hate saying journey, the sort of fitness path that I've been on. So yes. uh, that was definitely a very, very good thing. It is. And... My number one, the queen of 2019, (laughs) Lizzo. Lizzo. I have been rocking with Lizzo since 2013 when she released her song, Batches and Cookies, because she was uh, on All Songs Considered on NPR. And I, when she was just in Washington, D.C., and she just started putting out music, Mm. and it was called Batches, it's called Batches and Cookies, and it's such a funny and weird rap song. This is back when she was just primarily a rapper. Right. And I've been, and uh, just ever since every project she comes out with, I just consume and consume and consume. I have been yelling Lizzo's praises from the mountaintop for right. six years. Yeah. And around 2016, 2017, she started singing primarily, yeah. more primarily yeah. in her music. And that started to get her a lot of traction. And this year she had a song featured in a, a Netflix original movie called Someone Great called Truth mm. Hurts mm. that ended up just taking over the year. Yeah. And getting her into a lot of rooms and, 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 and getting her name into a lot of households. And yeah. And, 
on the back of that, she released Juice and the subsequent album, Cause I Love You. Yeah. Uh, just wall to wall, just this effervescent, like fun and, and, and hearty. That's a weird way to describe a song, but like a hearty um, mix of yeah. just inspirational tracks and yeah. tracks about pain and how she got over the pain and that just proved to be very insightful and uh, inspirational to a lot of people Yeah, uh, because Lizzo is great and I she can't is. wait to see what she does next. I hope it's released a single that is from the actual album that she released this year. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows in this Who knows? very strange era that we have where songs from three or four years ago can somehow enter Or 25 years ago. Yeah. yeah, or 25 years ago. Re-enter the charts, become yeah. number one, get Grammy yeah. nominations, the whole nine yards. Oh. Also, one other honorable mention, um, the delightfully odd, violently head-scratching comedy special on Netflix, John Mulaney and the I Sack Lunch Bunch. I still have to see it. it sounds, it's it like is, everybody says that it's great. It is really good. I made the mistake of trying to watch it with my parents. <laughs> That's probably, because yeah. They didn't get it at all. Yeah. But I loved it. I loved every minute of it. John Mulaney is so funny. He he is the person that I point to every time someone's just like, no, you can't say anything anymore. Comedy's dead. Matt, 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 Matt. No, it's not. John Mulaney is out here doing the Lord's work. Yeah. And generally, if you've got cool kids, you can watch it with your kids. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, yeah, that's 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 the end of my list. <laughs> That's awesome. I think we covered, uh, yeah, I think we really covered a lot of bases here in 2019. Yeah. I'm it, it gives me, it gives me a lot of optimism for the future ahead because I, I again, Definitely. like what we, what we talked about, like you're seeing a lot more people being very intentional with the work that they do and the work that they put out yeah. and how, how it's reflective of the time. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that with the lens of history, we can look back on something, on stuff, on stuff like the stuff that we're talking about and be like, this is this was this ended up becoming timeless uh and it ended up becoming something really really great for all these people um because a lot of it was the start of something for somebody for 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 people um and i have and i have a feeling we're gonna see that a lot in 2020 um yeah so thank you for rocking with us on this uh countdown of of sorts of, of things that we liked in 2019 um just real quick We'll go through our flat lines. I know we, we talked about them very briefly. I'm going to be very brief with mine because we could have a whole another hour on this podcast about this subject. Um, the Rise of Skywalker was just aggressively okay. And I was very upset that it was aggressively okay. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because I've just been rewriting the movie in my head uh, for the last like week and a half. And there are so many interesting things that were in that movie that could have become, could have made it a more streamlined and thematically resonant movie. But alas, we are stuck with the rise of Skywalker. That's my flatline. <laughs> CJ, what is your flatline? <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna talk about Star Wars. Um, my flatline. <laughs> Um, I have two. 
my first flat line, and I'm hesitant to say it because it comes off as objectification, but it uh, the show objects objectifies everyone else, so whatever. Um, Netflix released a few weeks ago the first season of The Witcher based on uh, yes. some Norse books and yes. uh, more popularly a video game series mm-hmm. uh, starring a super massive black hole of charisma. <laughs> Henry Cavill, amongst others. And uh, it's fine. I like it okay enough. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, people think that I'm being mean when I say that I find Henry Cavill, uh, or, or I'm be, trying to be funny when I say I find him kind of really just sort of devoid of personality. But I mean, I don't understand what person other people are watching i, I genuinely yeah. don't i i think um, I, he just hasn't found the right person to like give him the right or, or help 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 him work on like the best kind of material and i don't know what that material I, is i don't either I, I i liked him enough in uh people say they like him in that man from uncle movie i liked him enough in mission impossible fallout maybe yeah. he just hasn't found the thing but it, it just doesn't really work for me um the rest of the show sort of works pretty well around him yeah um one thing though even though he is a super massive black hole of charisma and i would welcomed a tvma netflix series uh netflix fantasy series here to take on uh the mantle of one of our new games of throne yeah um and i was like well at the very least we're gonna get to see Henry Cavill's butt. <laughs> now, I have seen tip to, there's a female lead who plays a, 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 a actress, she plays the character Yennefer. Yes. Uh, who basically shares the show with the titular Witcher character played by Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. I have seen tip to toe of her. <laughs> I have seen every bit of Ariola and all of those other bits and pieces that they felt that they needed to show you of this lady in this show. Eight almost hour long episodes and I didn't see Hyde nor Harry Crack <laughs> of Henry Cavill's ass and I am up fucking set <laughs> it's bullshit it's bullshit it's bullshit it there's not it not only like because i am a person with hormones but also because of just the skin equity like yeah. i remember we were in this facebook group and then the justice league movie was coming out and i was like it's really really weird that the justice league is a a a a superhero team that is four dudes in one woman yeah or five dudes in one woman yeah. and all of them are covered from head to toe except for the woman yeah like that's really really weird that like because at the end of the day and they're just like oh well, that's been her costume forever and it's like but at the end of the day you have shaved gorillas ben affleck and henry cavill who from the neck down, you do not see skin. Right. Same with Jason Momoa. Right. Same with uh, Ezra Miller as The Flash. Yeah. And it's weird because Jason Momoa's version of Aquaman was introduced to us in a shirtless photo, which, which we, with 
what we were to assume was going to be his costume in the Justice League movie. And then that changed this weird body armor, which is weird because Aquaman is bulletproof. And I was like, the optics of this, the way this looks is that there are five men who you can either say, see their entire face or just the like below the nose and their lips. Yes. And that's the only skin that you see. And a woman who is wearing a skirt and a bustier. Yeah. That's weird. It is weird. So that kind of skin equity thing over here in the West, we're like, and not even the West, just America. We're we're like, we're like afraid of dicks. And like, and Henry Cavill can say, oh, I won't show my butt, uh, even though the character's butt is shown in the video game all of the time. Uh, But the female lead literally has to have her coot coot and prune shoot to the wind (laughs) yeah it's weird it's very weird and very bad almost like every two episodes that's really weird yeah so that's my first uh that's my first flat line is for uh you know the witcher and the gendered skin equity Mm -hmm. i'm no fan Mm -hmm. i'm no fan (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> and my uh last and final freezy uh goes to <laughs> freezy my last and i did say freezy didn't i i've yes. been recording so much i'm sorry it's okay uh but flatline because we don't do freezies here on group chat um is uh, the incessant need for everyone to just like i i want everyone to chill out yeah. When it comes to New Year's and this new decade and stuff like that. Uh, if I hear the words abundance and mindset together, again, I'm going to scream like, okay, you got it. I believe in you. You can do whatever you want to do, but I just want you to chill. I was like, you, y'all got to understand that the, if you think that you can keep up with at the speed of hashtag goals, by all means. Yeah. But like, just leave me out of it. Yeah. Just chill out. There is, because these are the same people who are like on antidepressants and only get happy when Disney releases something. <laughs> I I can't deal with it, and I think, yeah. and I and I'm trying to figure out the language to talk about it because I feel like it comes off like I'm chastising people for having goals. By all means, have goals, but like. I think there's as a, much pressure as you put on yourself to get to this point, uh, whatever, become the version of you that you need to be or whatever. You are yeah. contributing. You're still helping contribute to this wild rat race. Right. That has only the the concept of the rat race has only just grown exponentially and gotten even more deadly and even more uh just exhausting and tiring i i just want people to chill out i want people to be themselves they're just like in 2020 i'm gonna be this i'm gonna be this i'm gonna be this rich we're not doing this and i'm like in 2020 i'm gonna live my life and stuff is gonna happen yeah understand that stuff is gonna happen i'm gonna be doing things yes but i can't put pressure like that on myself to do so because if i do I'm gonna psych myself out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and yeah, I can't. I agree with yeah, that. and so you and your abundance mindset can stay over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. 
Yeah, I, and I, 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 I admit I was one of the people that tweeted those kinds of things, but I mean, I, I did my best to tweet out concrete goals that I was setting for myself. Like, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and that's it. Because yeah. it, it's a lot of a lot of what I a lot of what I tweeted was a lot of the things that I already started to shift towards it anyway. As yeah. as our friend, as our dear internet uh, uh, motivational guru Matt Diavella has said, it's always a habitual thing that you need to to figure out how to how to do. It's not necessarily just. It's not going to come. It's not going to come like a like an epiphany the day after new year's eve like the clock's gonna strike midnight and then all of a sudden all the blessings will fall upon you like from the sky that's impossible it's truly impossible unless you are actually like unless you've actually like spent the last year or so working towards cultivating those things and it it really does It, it does take like by all means set your goals but don't feel the need to feel like you have to be pressured into setting goals when you already have them set for yourself. Um, because a lot of people do. A lot of people are, have already decided to do things long before, long before the new year has even started because they'll, they realize things at specific times. They, they, come, they come to make decisions at specific times. And I think yeah. that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the big things that I think I, I appreciate I appreciate New Year's Eve because I am always sort of reflective, introspective, and always trying to figure out ways to 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 position myself in, in to to find the sort of clarity and and aspirational stuff and a general peace uh, of mind now nowadays. Um, I tend to do that all the time. I think I think I'm just wired that way in my brain. Um, mm-hmm. So I appreciate I appreciate New Year's Eve for the fact that everybody's on that same level. Um, but I hope that people I hope that people don't feel pressured need to feel pressured to blurt out a goal that they want to set for themselves because they should come to those goals naturally and organically instead of yeah. instead of just being like I'm passionate about this I'm gonna do this you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I agree with you. Also, with you that matter. also. What is Baja? <laughs> These are what questions. is Baja as a flavor? I'm sorry. It just annoys me. I see it all the time. Does Baja just mean like pico de gallo on something? Is that what it means? I don't, it's so confusing. Yeah, it does. Confuse. I'm sorry. That's if okay. Baja, if, 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 being, if, if being so like virulently anti-Baja right now I mean, makes me problematic in some way i, I mean, just don't get it men, the baja men even spell baja b-a-h-a and the baja that you're talking about is b-a-j-a yeah so i don't, I don't, I don't know, know. <laughs> it's, it, it, it makes me upset to think about it but whatever we're done with the show <laughs> <laughs> cj where can people find you on the internet uh, for, the, for the remainder me. of 2020 <laughs> yeah uh, you can find me at CJ period on Instagram and Twitter. That's C-E-E-J-A-Y and the word period. I'm assuming you know how to spell it. I also have a second show as Dan gave loving and appreciated tribute to. Um, below Freezing with CJ and Micah, me and my friend Micah Black. We unthaw a different movie that comes in at a below 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, you'll be hearing this uh, on the 6th. 
and the show comes back on the 9th. So yes, with a great guest, uh, whom I also mentioned on my list, Rachel Shank. <laughs> yes, Rachel will be there. Uh, yeah, by the time this comes out, that'll be out of the bag. <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, uh, and uh, where can people find you on the internet, Dan? People can find me on the internet at on Instagram and Twitter at the deeper the D Purcell. That is at the D P U R C E L L. I can also confidently say within the first quarter or so of 2020, you will be hearing music from me. So I highly Ooh. recommend you check out my artist profile on Spotify by typing in the words Dan Purcell. That's Dan, P-U-R-C-E-L-L. Um, I have one song up there right now from like several years ago, but I also have a plethora of playlists and uh, playlists that I follow as well. Um, but feel free to give me a follow, check out the playlists and anticipation for the music that's going to be coming out. Very excited about the music. Um, I'm hopefully also going to be recording a podcast with CJ this week uh, in regards to talking about the music or, Woo! yep, that's going to be a good time. Um, yeah, very excited about things coming in 2020. Um, you can find this podcast at Dan and CJ, that's our handle on Twitter, right? Yep. And you can find it wherever you stream your podcasts. Um, we have we don't normally do we don't normally get <laughs> messages unless we haven't checked. But feel free to leave us a message on Anchor if you have suggestions or ideas for future episodes. And just just feel feel free to tweet at us or send us a message. Uh, give us a stream. Give us a like. Give us a review. And uh, until next time. We'll see you in our group chat. Bye. Bye. Bye.